What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Bitcoin and Markets. My name is Ansel Lindner, and today is Monday. This is the Bitcoin Fundamentals Report Day, the day that I send out my newsletter over there on BitcoinandMarkets.com. So we're going to go through all the headlines in the space, um, including macro headlines that affect Bitcoin, price, mining, lightning, all of that. Make sure you're subscribed over there on Bitcoin and Markets. I will bring that up right now, actually. Share the screen. You can get my notifications or notifications of everything I post. Uh, so all of my writings and all of my podcast episodes, including FedWatch that I do with Bitcoin Magazine on Thursdays, you'll get notified when that drops. And you can support the show there. So $5 a month, you can become a paid member. You get early access to my writings uh, before they go public, as well as being able to enter the monthly uh, forecast market that we do. We uh, Members can forecast the end of month price for Bitcoin, and the winner is going to get $20 in sats at the end of the month. So if you want to partake in that, sign up, become a member, support my content. This is a member-supported show or listener-supported show, so appreciate everybody that supports, as well as I have another tier up there, a professional tier that I do all of my technical analysis, uh, deep dive into Bitcoin price, macro price, uh, theory, and that kind of thing. So check out BitcoinandMarkets.com. But yes, you can see this is the fundamentals report for this week, issue four, sorry, 246. And yes, those are weeks I've been doing this report. For 246 weeks, it has changed throughout the years. Um, I started doing it with a good friend, Jeff C., um, out of Omaha when I lived up there in the middle of the country. And uh, we started doing it as PDF only. Uh, And then that was like the first 10 or 20 issues. Slowly but surely, we got uh, our mind right and started doing it just as a blog post post. but anyway, yeah, that was years years ago. It has changed format uh, many times over the years, so it'll definitely change again. But I am liking this format, and I'm, I have gotten some good feedback on this. Um, you know, they get pretty long, but hopefully, you guys can navigate your way through and pick out the pieces that you are interested in. Because I do cover pretty much all of the Bitcoin industry each week. So, okay. Let's get into the snapshot of Bitcoin. So the weekly trend is a bounce off the lows. And if you are a regular listener or viewer, then you know that I've been calling for this bounce for the last couple of weeks or so. I said, yeah, once we pass the 128 day moving average, we have a a date with uh, with 25,000 and we have finally achieved that, but we bounced nicely off of that this week or this weekend with the BlackRock news. So we're going to be going over all of that, of course. But yes, that is the weekly trend now is a bounce off the lows. We'll see where we end up on the price. Of course, I have a price section here a little bit lower. So we'll get into that in a few minutes. The media sentiment is neutral. Uh, Again, not scientific. I just think that uh, the BlackRock news is extremely bullish, extremely media positive because BlackRock is so such a respected institution by most people out there. Um, So I think that helped 
But at the same time, there's still this holdover from Coinbase, from Binance. Uh, the lingering uh, stuff is being held over the head of the industry. So I am keeping it at neutral. It's not quite positive, but I think this will change uh, pretty rapidly over the next uh, few weeks. Okay, network traffic is high. It's actually gotten higher, and we'll take a look at the mempool uh, this week. The mining industry, though, is very, very strong. Okay, price section 26,776 at the time of publish, but let's pull this up here. Let's check the current price. Okay, now it's dipping back down again. However, it did surge all the way up to 27,000. Let's see if it hit 27,000 as a high. Yes, $27,050 touching that 50-day moving average. So guys, people that don't believe in TA, I mean, look at this. The 50-day moving average right now is 27,063. And this wick went up to 27,050. Pretty much right there. And of course, what I say about moving averages is that we're that's where bids like to congregate around. And so it is very natural for price to move up into areas of interest on the chart because that's where people will place their sells or their asset. You know, I'm going to sell the 50 day moving average because I don't think it's going to break it, stuff like that. So um, anyway, this is a pretty good illustration of how technical analysis can work very, very well. All right. So that is the current price, but I didn't want to get into price quite yet. Anyways, um, market cap. It maintained that half a trillion dollar mark. Now it's back up to $517 billion. That comes out to, to be 3,743 sats, or sorry, 3,743 sats per dollar. And one Finney, which is one ten thousandth of a Bitcoin. That is my preferred denomination. And I don't know if it'll ever catch on, but I'm going with it. I think it's a good one because it's halfway between a sat and a full Bitcoin, that's $2.67. Mining sector, <clears throat> sorry, mining sector. The difficulty adjusted this last week, rising 2.1 or 2.2%, rounding up 2.2%. And the next estimated adjustment is another increase of 1% in eight days. That is, we are on track for that. Uh, just for people that don't understand the uh, difficulty adjustment, which most of the people listening to this probably will, but just in case there's, uh, you know, a handful of newbies uh, tuning in, every uh, 2,100 blocks, the difficult, is that right? Oh man, now, now I'm messed up. 2,016 blocks. Oh geez, 2,016 blocks. It. Uh, the difficulty adjusts and it becomes harder for miners or easier for miners to find a block and get the reward. This is what keeps the uh, block times at 10 minutes and makes Bitcoin like a clock, tick tock next block. Of course, the blocks can come in a little bit faster, a little bit slower for a period of time, but that difficulty adjustment will keep it in line. So no a nation state cannot just buy up a bunch of miners and start mining like that because the difficulty will adjust and will keep them, uh, you know, they'll have to go against everybody else on the network. Okay. That was 
an unneeded uh, tangent here. But okay, mempool is 187 megabytes, has increased in the last week. Fees for the next block sitting just over a dollar at one dollar and twelve cents or thirty cents per virtual byte. Or sorry, twelve thirty sats per virtual Jesus. 30 sats per virtual byte. The median fee comes out to roughly 97 cents or right around a dollar. Lightning Network, I have been tracking this now, these metrics for the last few months, about six months now, I think. Um, the capacity has been going up in the last few weeks. We're sitting at uh, 5,470 Bitcoins. That's almost a full percent up in the last week. This is the second increase of that same relative size um, two weeks in a row. However, the channels continue to fall. Last week was just below 1% decline in the number of channels. And this week is another 1% decline down to 69,225. And those numbers are via mempool.space. Okay, next little section here is all the stuff that I put out last week. You can check that out. Now into the headlines. Of course, we're going to talk about BlackRock, but I thought it was interesting. I wanted to give an update on Binance and Coinbase because that was the by far and away the biggest story in Bitcoin just two weeks ago. Uh, and how fast has that gone, you know, into the background with this BlackRock announcement? I think it's pretty amazing. So the the crypto crowd, you know, because Bitcoin is not crypto. Uh, the crypto crowd is not all that big. This shows that they're really a small, small minority. And also the the big dogs in the crypto space, the scammers themselves, they know that they're scammers. And I don't know if they're willing to take on this fight right now. I think they are willing to sit back and let Coinbase fight it for them. You know, and... So there's just not a lot of energy out there from the crypto scammer side of the house. They, they're just going to sit back and let this develop. And it will continue to develop. It's going to take a while um, to go through the court system. I don't know. The Ripple case has been going on for years. I don't think these will take nearly that long because these are companies and not like, uh, well, Ripple's a company too, but it's not seen you know on par with the companies like coinbase and binance uh, another thing that happened this week regarding binance and coinbase stuff is that the sec reached an agreement with binance to not freeze all of their assets and i linked to an article about that so that could have taken a little bit of the excitement because they, they were just ready to say that the sec and gary gensler this is all in bad faith, right? All this stuff going after these, the crypto scams is in bad faith. But this action by the SEC showing a little leniency saying, you know, okay, let's come to an agreement. It kind of took a lot of their thunder out of that particular narrative that they were pushing. Okay, now let's get into the BlackRock. So BlackRock, of course, everybody has probably heard this by now. They file for this spot Bitcoin ETF, and they have a winning streak or a record of getting ETFs approved, 575 to one. They've only ever had one ETF denied. 
And that was kind of a special case. I think some people dug up which one that was. And it was like an ETF that was filed that wasn't in line with like cutting edge SEC guidance on certain um, a certain type of asset. So I guess similar to Bitcoin in a way. However, Bitcoin is has never been questioned by the SEC. So that is is an interesting distinction. But they, so they have a record of 575 to one. They know what they're doing. They don't file an ETF to get it denied, most likely. Uh, they don't file an ETF if they don't think they're going to get it approved. So um, yeah, that is the big headline of this week. This news came out of left field and immediately turned the community positive. This news was broken by Coindesk and quickly confirmed. It got more legitimacy from Eric Balkunas. He's the senior ETF analyst at Bloomberg. And he said in a tweet, holy crap, they did it. BlackRock has officially filed for a spot Bitcoin ETF. Huge. Yes, very big. And then he went on and he did this interview on this uh, podcast. I don't know which one it is. I don't watch this podcast, but I saw this uh, interview and he was going through in detail from his uh, extensive experience in the ETF space, what he thinks this means. It's a very interesting video. I recommend watching that to get up to date on everything. Uh, as of at least, I think that was like Saturday uh, when this came out. So everything up to date as of Saturday, of course, things will change, but uh, just maybe, well, I don't think the actual facts of the case will change uh, or the situation, but the interpretation by the industry will change. So anyways, debate erupted over the term trust because this filing is for a trust and not a quote-unquote ETF. However, um, this Balkunis, he poured cold water on that quickly, and he's like, no, no, no. All Most ETFs are trusts, including GLD. They're a trust as well. So anyway, I go on to write here. This is huge for many reasons. But the main reason has to be that BlackRock doesn't just file an ETF without being sure that they'll get approved. Now, I do have a slightly different possibility that I'll go over a little bit lower down in the, the newsletter. Um, but yes, they I think 99% that they would not file this if they didn't think it was going to get approved relatively easily. They are the largest asset manager in the world, so very connected. If they think they will get approved, ARK Invest, who has a filing ahead of them in line, might also get approved. But I don't know if they're structurally similar or not. There are rumors this morning that Fidelity is going to try again for a spot Bitcoin ETF, and Bitwise has filed a BlackRock copycat ETF today. This could open the floodgates. This also speaks to the coming regulatory regime that BlackRock and likely the SEC sees, a Bitcoin-friendly regulatory regime. So if BlackRock saw that Bitcoin was going to get regulated out of existence or something like that, they would not file for this ETF either. So they, what they see as a regulatory regi regime going forward is a Bitcoin-friendly regulatory regime. And this is what we hear from the SEC. This is what we hear from 
Um, the Federal Reserve, you know, they don't have really any super negative comments to say about it. Um, from all of the politicians that are running for president, they are all very positive, saying that they need to protect running a node, protect Bitcoin mining, protect self-custody. You know, so this regulatory regime that's starting to be fleshed out here is counter to what most people thought. And if you would have asked me back, um, you know, 2014, 2015, what I thought would be the regulatory regime, I would say, oh, they're going to come after Bitcoiners. They're going to make it illegal. They're going to 6102 uh, Bitcoin. But that's not what's happening. And that's not likely to happen. Guys, I want you to understand this. That is not likely to happen. I think it's more likely than not to be fairly friendly, to be one of the more friendly places in the world to Bitcoin too. So anyway, let's continue reading what I wrote. Uh, I consider myself to be a Bitcoin purist. However, I get there through being a realist, not an idealist. Many Bitcoin purists don't like this news because they see BlackRock as a central conspirator in the global cabal of bankers. They might be. I don't, you know, for sake of argument, I'm not going to say that that's wrong. But does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. They can't, you know, what, first off, what are we going to do about it? If that's the case. And second is, what are they going to do to Bitcoin? Nothing. It doesn't matter, even if that is the case, which I think is not 100% true. All right. So Bitcoin's incentives work on everyone. You can't end run around Bitcoin's incentives, like launching an ETF and then manipulating the price and yada, yada, yada. You can't end run around these things. They are part of the natural world, just like you can't escape the laws of thermodynamics. Okay. So next story up, Hong Kong desperate to get Bitcoin into their market. So this was also... I think around Friday of last week, this came out that uh, the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, uh, you'll see it as HKMA, Hong Kong Monetary Authority, they have come out and said that uh, they are encouraging banks to not be afraid of banking Bitcoin companies. There is some resistance to this in their banking community, even though now Hong Kong has opened up. You can apply for a license, you can get banked, but the banks are showing some resistance to this. And um, that's the polar opposite of what we see here in the United States, where pretty much Gary Gensler is like, be afraid of crypto, not of Bitcoin, but of crypto, right? Um, So a lot of people are talking about that dichotomy and how the future is in the East and all this stuff, but I, I don't agree with that. Well, let's see. What else do I have to say? Um, I could not find the original published statement. So I think this was just a discussion like this Financial Times uh, quote says here. They were just talking to a person with knowledge of a discussion. So, you know, third third hand rumor here. But um, anyway, this could be propaganda from crypto bros, you know, or I should say crypto whales that are like, hey, this is going on. They're, they're courting us because this article also says that they call Coinbase and, and all that. So this could be some propaganda 
to say, hey, look, you're going to lose out on this quote unquote innovation that crypto is not any innovation. Bitcoin is the innovation. Digital scarcity is the innovation. Um, and these things aren't the innovation, right? And so anyway, th- this could be propaganda, but we'll have to see there. They, I say this could be propaganda, but the new Hong Kong licensing regime has been kind of a flop so far. So maybe that, that does kind of fit it being a flop and they really wanting to get companies coming in and they haven't. So this, you know, I'm just trying to work through the thought process here. Anyway, um, it might not be that banks are afraid, but that they see crypto as a scam, which it is. <laughs> There's a difference between not banking crypto bros, you know, obvious unregistered securities and Ponzi schemes than being afraid of doing this. No, you don't want to bank Ponzi schemes. So anyway, Bitcoin-only companies have good banking relationships. They don't need to move banks. It is the scam tokens and the scam casinos that need new bank accounts. So see, there's a selection process. Who would be wanting to move offshore? It's going to be the obvious worst offending scams and altcoin casinos. And those aren't the ones that banks really want. You know, banks want a solid company that does not have this type of burden in that maybe line of business that they are seriously Ponzi schemes and stuff. So it makes sense that they're having a hard time getting people over there. Anyway, so that was a good story. Okay, macro updates. Fed pauses rate hikes. Of course, I went over this multiple times last week on a couple different streams and putting out the stream as a podcast version uh, in extended form uh, on Friday. So if you haven't listened to that, I recommend checking it out. It gave you know long form. Um, I think it came out to be like an hour, 15 or 20 minutes where I go through the initial drop and then the press conference with Powell. And it gives me time to expand on my theories of the market and what this, what this all means for Bitcoin, what the, what it means for the economy recession, stuff like that. But uh, anyway, in the history of these rate cuts, at least I think for the last 40 or 50 years, a pause has never led to another rate hike. It's oh, they've always led to another cut. Now there has been a time, I think going back into the mid eighties or so that they, they paused cut once and then hiked again, but a pause has never directly been followed by a hike, which is what they want us to believe. And remember the last time Powell paused back in 2019. um, So he paused in January of 2019. And then in July, six months later, he cut and he didn't cut and say, you know, we're in a cutting cycle now. He called it a mid cycle adjustment. So there's a lot of toying that they can do with the language. They can cut and say, oh, no, we're going to cut now. But, you know, we revised our dot plots yet higher again. So we see a lot of this, you know, this being a temp, maybe the banking system, there was a bank, more banking crisis 
and they say, oh, this banking crisis is temporary. That's what our board is saying. And they think that we're going to turn around after we get through the soft patch, uh, mid-cycle adjustment, and then hike rates again. You know, So th they can do a lot with their language. They can even cut and make it look seem like a hawkish cut. This was a hawkish pause. They could even have a hawkish cut, which is crazy to think about. And it's also crazy to think about them being in charge of anything with that type of behavior. So, okay. Um, I talk about the Eurozone enters recession after Germany and Ireland growth revision. So the Eurozone has officially entered recession and the worst is yet to come. I don't see them doing better in the second half of the year. I think they will continue to do worse. They are estimating, I think, um, Germany's GDP to be negative for the whole year, like negative 0.3%. I think it could be lower than that even, maybe even the whole year negative 1%. And that is counting it in a certain way. You know, you have a fudge factor there with official statistics and massaging the data, seasonal adjustments and all that. So it could be as much as like negative 2% for the entire year. Now, China, on the other hand, they're, I think, in even worse trouble. They're in worse trouble. I don't know how you can be in worse trouble than Germany, to be honest with you. Um, but anyway, so China's numbers are getting more bogus by the quarter. They are. There's a lot of stories out there that they don't give good, uh, or they, the, the transparency of their numbers is starting to be locked down. So it used to be where you could like get into the back end and you could look at some of where, you know, survey data or where they're getting their data from and all that stuff. But over the last say six months, it's really started getting clamped down on the transparency in their numbers and their, in their financial sector, in their real estate sector, in their banking sector, whatever is getting less and less transparent. And so you know, the numbers are getting more and more bogus, in my opinion. But even in that case, they're still showing a collapse of their economic model at this time. So I think it's going to get really bad in China. I mean, they have enjoyed, you know, an average growth rate of what, like 7 to 10% per year for 20 years. Uh, I don't know how they're going to adjust to zero or even say a negative 5% growth rate. I don't know how people can think that they can do zero COVID for two years and still grow at 5%. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to think that you have a debt to GDP ratio of over 300%. You lock down your economy for two years, welding people in their buildings and things. Like this isn't, a lockdown, say, in Sweden or something like that. This is a lockdown in communist China with all the surveillance and green passes and um, daily COVID checks for a billion people. And that's not going to destroy your economy. I just don't understand how people think that. But anyway, I linked to this uh, good... China update. This is a good channel on YouTube. Um, you can check it out. This particular one is about how a lot of people are saying that um, investor capital is fleeing China. And that's something that I've talked about for a couple of years now is that China will become increasingly 
off limits to like rational investors and they need that. That's their, how their economic model is constructed around credit expansion globally and export driven, you know, economy. And when they don't have that anymore, it's going to collapse in on itself. So anyway, that's a good video. Check it out. Also, Xi now has come out this morning. I saw this. that um, He says, China respects U.S. interests and does not seek to challenge. This is a huge 180. I can't quote. This isn't a direct quote. It's not in quotes. And I can't directly quote stuff that he said in the past. But, you know, there is thought out of China on all levels from uh, academia in China to the military, uh, probably politics, that they, they need to challenge the United States hegemony and the U.S. dollar hegemony. And now all of a sudden, oh, this is a complete 180. China respects U.S. interests and does not seek to challenge. So that's a big, big development. I think it could be that the economic situation is so bad and maybe Xi actually saw some legit data that uh, he has he has to change his tune. He has to change his tune. But anyway, uh, interesting quote. All right, let's get into price now. This might be what everyone's been waiting for. So what a difference a week makes. We whipsawed between doom and gloom with Coinbase and Binance to major hopium in BlackRock. If you are a regular reader of this letter or of the Market Pro series where I dive much deeper into the price, you would have been expecting a bounce. Last week I said, there is an increased risk of more downside, or sorry, downward price action, but not sustained price drops. Fakeouts could occur around 25K, for instance. The price could drop to 24,000, 750 for a couple hours and rally right back to 28k this direct quote from last week well where did price get down to 24,756 i was off by six dollars calling this bottom um and we haven't rallied to 28,000 yet but we could let me check the price No, this uh, rally has stalled right here at 26,000, uh, 27,000 top. Remember, we just talked about it touching the 50-day moving average. Um, but incredible call here. Incredible fake out down to 24,750 and bouncing right back up. Okay, let's go down to the daily chart. So price has not made it through much resistance at this point. Only the most recent diagonal trend faded red line, it is still stuck below the 128-day, 50-day, and larger multi-month diag. So you can see the 128-day in purple, 50-day in green, and this red diag here in this pattern. So we're, we have, though, since I wrote this and since I snapped this chart, we are above the 128-day now again and bounced off that 50 day so we will see how we get through this i wouldn't expect for some price move to instantly go through the 50 day this is the 50 day moving average is extremely important in most people's technical analysis most bots 
will have a 50-day moving average component in their algorithms. Most uh, proprietary uh, oscillators and proprietary um, indicators that people build have moving averages in their in their calculations. And the 50-day is one of the most important ones in all of those. So there is going to be a lot, a lot of interest around this 50-day, and I would not expect it to instantly break it on the first try. But it probably, I mean, with this news on BlackRock, it's so fundamentally bullish. I think it will break it within the next couple of days. You know, next 48 hours, I think we'll be above the 50-day moving average. All right, so let me actually, I don't think I included this on the report. But let's bring up the weekly chart. You see that we were surging here above the 200 week. Right now, the 200 week is sitting at 26,600, and we are at 26,617. I mean, there's a long time left in this week to close back above this 200 week moving average. But when that happens, that's another incredibly strong signal that this has turned around. Okay, let's get back to the report. BlackRock effect. BlackRock's ETF can be treated as likely in our price analysis. It's not a done deal, though. There is some uncertainty here. Many people think BlackRock will use the ETF to manipulate the price. But what if they're using an ETF rejection to manipulate the price? I mean, that would be because they can't, they haven't come after Bitcoin. You know, the SEC has not come after Bitcoin. And so what if to come after Bitcoin? Because Gary Gensler says, you know, believes that Bitcoin is a commodity and many people in powerful positions and even billionaires and such, they believe Bitcoin is commodity and Bitcoin is different. So they can't really go after it like that from the SEC officially But what if they could have another ETF rejection from BlackRock? Now, the the question there is, would BlackRock do that? Would they want to tarnish their ETF record? Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Uh, You have to put a lot of maliciousness into BlackRock's actions. And I am just not quite willing to go there. So... I think that this, like I say here, that scenario of using a rejection as manipulation is very unlikely. But it is more likely than any negative effects coming from a actual approval or launch of a BlackRock ETF. I do not think they will be using this to manipulate the market. I think they will get manipulated. Bitcoin's incentives will manipulate their brains. It will manipulate investors' brains. You'll start getting, you know, 25, 50% of the investing public will be invested in Bitcoin. And then you, Bitcoin will get in their brains, will make a lot more Bitcoiners and the mind virus that is Bitcoin will spread. So this, they're going to be manipulated by Bitcoin, not the other way around. I also say the halving is coming. 
Bitcoin on exchanges is very low. Sell side risk ratio is low. Miners are selling, which we'll get into here more in just a second when we go over the mining sector. Um, and what this means, well, I'll just say this right now, is that this means that um, you know a lot of the supply that's on the market is coming from miners, but eventually they run out, right? So that's a positive for future supply. Future supply will be cut, in other words. Okay, Bitcoin has a regulatory moat now. Four major U.S. presidential candidates are supportive of it. And now BlackRock? This is extremely, extremely bullish, people. I put the probability of a BlackRock ETF gets approved at 90%. I would put it higher. But there is a chance that the SEC, a small chance that the SEC will not approve it. As well as that topic I brought up there a second ago about a purposeful rejection to manipulate the price. So those two things added together, I think, put it a probability it gets approved at about 90%. So there's still a 10% chance that it will not be approved. We played this game back in 2016 with the Winklevoss ETF. And I think back then I was... I can't remember now, but it was somewhere around 75%. I thought it was going to get approved. I thought it was going to get approved. But this BlackRock is much more likely to get approved than that Winklevoss. So there you have it. The time frame is another question. It could be dragged out. But again, BlackRock probably wouldn't have filed this if they thought there would be major hurdles. Why, you know, why wouldn't they get the major hurdles ironed out before they filed this. I mean, BlackRock gets a call back from the SEC. I guarantee you that. You know, they get a call back from pretty much anybody at the SEC that they want. They would not have filed this if they thought there was going to be major hurdles that would take a long time or that would problems they would need to fix with this. So I put an average time frame pretty short, three months to six months, more on the shorter side of this. I think it could, it's a 45 days that they have to uh, either approve or deny or kick the can. They can always, the SEC can kick the can, I think for another 45 days and then 60 days, you know, they have different processes that they can use to kick the can, but Let's say they do that once, you know, you then you get out to 90 days. So I think three months is or shorter is a likely time frame. I mean, if it's if it's shorter than three months, the the market is going to be taken by massive, massive surprise. And this could be the repricing type event that we've been waiting for, that I have been talking about. Okay. Next up more on price. So here was a great chart by Glassnode. And um, this is about the lack of Bitcoin on exchanges. They're showing that this is a highly, the highly liquid supply in Bitcoin is crashing or has crashed last year. And it is crashing again right now, back down to the lows. This is, you know, when you speak about liquidity, um, I always think of it as market depth. So in order book, 
selling a hundred coins wouldn't usually move the market. Okay. They might move it a little bit, but the, the slippage isn't going to be that big. But if you, if the supply on exchanges is not there, you could eat through a bunch of the order book with a relatively small for the platform, a relatively small transaction. And the price could really move rapidly. That's why I was saying that there was risk to the downside. We could see wicks to the downside, but overall, we're not going to see lower moves in price. We could see wicks to the upside too. I mean, imagine like a $5,000 day. We could, we could be seeing that here in the next several weeks. Maybe we could see a $5,000 day in Bitcoin up. That would be pretty incredible. So, all right. That's all for the price. Let's get into the mining headlines now. I'm not a mining expert. I would love to know more. We have a couple miners here uh, in the community around the podcast. So I um, want to learn from them and, you know, we'll follow them on Twitter and watch everything that they're, they're talking about um, because yeah, this is an extremely, extremely important part of Bitcoin. Th- to me, I kind of think of it like adoption is inevitable. The big banks are inevitable. It's just like, it's interesting to see who does what, you know, oh, it's interesting to see BlackRock file the ETF, but in 10 years, everyone's going to have filed for an ETF. So there's going to be a lot of ETFs out there. So um, that's kind of like inevitable, but the Bitcoin mining, I think is a little bit different because Look what China did. China completely screwed themselves by kicking all the miners out. Now, apparently, there's there's some mining going on there again. But, uh, you know, mining is harder to predict. Where is mining going to happen? And it's also part of the decentralization of the whole system. You want mining to be spread out geographically, right, uh, in different jurisdictions. So, anyway, it's it's very, very interesting part of Bitcoin. First headline, Russia eyes crypto mining legislation by 2024. So readers will be aware that Russia's strategy on Bitcoin mining has been developing for some time. Now we have a date. They will be introduced in July. So crypto mining could be legal. Of course, there is no such thing as crypto mining. 99.9999% of all mining is Bitcoin mining. I don't know why anyone would use the term crypto mining unless you're a complete moron. All right. Crypto. <laughs> Bitcoin mining could be legal in Russia as soon as 2024, according to chairman of the state Duma Committee on Financial Markets, Anatoly. Okay, Anatoly. We'll just say that. Anatoly remarked at the 2023 St. Petersburg International Economic Forum on the role mining can play in the Russian economy. According to the English, uh, the event's English interpreter, the legislator stated that the first reading of the four bills that will legalize Bitcoin mining in the country is scheduled for July, and the state Duma will adopt the bills. Very, very interesting. Okay, so that's that piece of news. Next one is minor outflow update. I talked about this on last week's um fundamentals report but i wanted to make sure i updated it because we have the exchange flow rising once again or this is the outflow from miners to exchanges 
and you can see it's at a multi multi-year high going back all the way to 2018 it looks like so that's a pretty big deal especially since the you know block reward is much lower <laughs> than than that time so uh this this is a big deal for this many coins to be leaving miners and going to the exchanges um okay so i wanted to update the miner flow i touched on last week it seems to have blown out again very interesting that selling is occurring with all-time high hash rate note the recent spikes this year have all occurred at bottoms back in 2019 the highest spikes were also at the bottom so let's bring this back up and you can see here in 2023 i think this is january 2023 it was the bottom of the ftx pretty much marked the bottom then we had a spike here that marked this bottom and now we have this humongous spike here. And we'll see if that marks an even stronger bottom. And then going back here to 2019, these spikes were centered around this bottom. So these were the highest. This one in particular looks like about February of 2019. The highest peak of that year. And it was also right near the bottom. We also had some selling up here at the top, uh, but we have distribution up there from miners at the top. Okay, so that's that. I say the flow cannot continue indefinitely. It must come to an end and turn into net accumulation soon. That will be bullish for the price. Next story up in mining, a tweet from Bob Burnett, mining friend of the show. He said, I, I'm just summarizing here what he said in this long tweet that was shared on Telegram too. I think it was by point that, sh that shared this. Um, Much of the hash rate growth of the last nine months was from capital investments by large miners in late 2021 and the first half of 2022. No material capital came into the mining ecosystem in the second half of 2022 or early 2023. Very, very interesting. I mean, that kind of makes sense with the crashing of price. You know, everyone thinks that Bitcoin is going to 100,000 or, you know, 100K of the stock to flow and all this. But ever since that middle half of 2022, there has been no material capital has come into the space. That's interesting. Uh, that means that you shouldn't have growth from new development of new mining facilities. You know, there could be some maybe on the public side, right? They can raise money in different ways by selling stock and stuff. But um, for the most part, there's not a lot of this. I, I'm guessing he's talking private capital because he's more on the private capital side. Okay, much of the growth for the industry in the next 10 months will come from replacement of old machines. So if you can replace the old machine and get 50% more hash rate out of a new machine, we're going to see the hash rate continue to go up. But we might not see these 10% adjustments, uh, double-digit adjustments, because we've had some several double-digit adjustments in Bitcoin's history. And uh, I don't, he's pretty much saying that we won't see anything like that, even if price does go higher. Um, the capital investment 
is already locked in or the lack of capital investment for the last 12 months is already locked in to the to the pipeline right okay next part he has if the bitcoin price is 45000 or less at the having then expect very rapid turnoff of 15 to 25% of hash rate in the 6 4 to 6 weeks after the having if over 60 to 65k expect only a 7 to 10% drop but that's a big gap there because uh, 45 to 65 i mean you know you're talking 50% move so I don't know, um, but that's that's interesting uh, what he's talking about here. That even if we're over sixty thousand, there will be some miners that have to shut off, and I don't know if that is due to maybe older machines not being replaced or something. But uh, very interesting. Okay, let's talk about hash rate here. So hash rate this week has come down after the difficulty adjustment, um, but it's still a higher low. Pretty much, you can see the green lines. Uh, that's the three-day kind of moving average of hash rate, and we're we continually get higher lows and higher highs. So we'll see what comes next. But it's very healthy. Mempool. So mempool is back up to 187 megabytes. You can see we came up here once again to higher levels. However, we didn't really get any green transactions. We got a, a few at the top here, but they have already been worked through. So this is looking like the network is just chewing through these transactions. And really the increase has slowed in the last few days. Um, the real big increase happened here back. It looks like about the, the 10th or the 11th, 12th of June. And it has since slowed down. But anyway, I'm not concerned about the mempool thing. I'm not concerned about dollar transaction fees. Um, maybe me personally at like 10 or $20, I would, and they looked like they were staying there for a long time. Then I would start to consider my coin management, you know, readdressing how I have my coins stored and things like that. Um, because those are very high fees. But until that time, which eventually will happen, but until that time, dollar fees are nothing. Um, this is a very, very healthy environment for miners, I think. The price is going up. Fees are staying pretty good at, uh, you know, a dollar roughly. Um, you could see some fees spiking during big bull moves. But uh, overall, this is a very, very good environment, in my opinion, for miners. And they're showing this by continuing to put new hash rate on continuing to you know blow out all-time high difficulty all-time high hash rate uh, they are exposed to the deep fundamentals of the space and if miners are bullish there's no reason you shouldn't be bullish okay lightning network uh, news out of lightning network this week is um, strike has opened up some new relationships in mexico and this is a big deal because there's a huge amount of remittance that goes to Mexico. I think it's one of the highest remittance borders. It might be the highest in the world remittance borders. Um, and Bitcoin helping to bring fees down in that remittance transaction is very, very important for people. So 
This has a opportunity to be very popular, um, add some demand to Bitcoin, because if you're getting sent Bitcoin, I mean, th this the way they put it in this article is that uh, you will receive pesos, you know, or dollars in your account. But if you already have the app, you might be able to uh, be, you will be more open to learning about Bitcoin and being exposed to the benefits of Bitcoin. And so you'll be more likely to buy Bitcoin. Plus, there's going to be some demand for simply the moving of this using Lightning Rails. Uh, so that will add demand to the price. But until we see, like I, up at the top here of the newsletter each week, and I go through the uh, Lightning capacity and Lightning channels, you know, until we start seeing this really start moving higher, like getting up to 10,000 BTC and maybe 100,000 channels or something, that's when we can say that what Strike is doing and what these other people are doing is really growing. Because right now we're not seeing that growth. Even though we see these articles about Strike adoption and Strike growing in the world, we're not seeing a corresponding lift in capacity. So that's one reason why I do track this lightning capacity. All right, what else? There was another story here uh, for Lightning Network, and that's Binance. They add the Lightning Network. So they followed through on their recent promise to integrate Lightning. Shouldn't be that hard. However, it seems the implement implementation is not 100% operational. I saw some reports on Twitter talking about the Lightning node not working properly. Uh, this type of integration will lead to further adoption of Lightning Network, more innovation around pain points. So that's what I think is important about that. All right. And that's going to do it for this episode, guys, and this fundamentals report. Subscribe at BitcoinAndMarkets.com. You can read through it on your own. Uh, you have all the links there available to all the different stories that I'm talking about and stuff. So it's free. Sign up and get this free weekly newsletter every Monday summarizing all the important stuff going on in Bitcoin from my unique perspective as a Bitcoin OG, as a contrarian, you know, um, as an economist in the space. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining me. Hope you're having a good Monday. Hope the rest of your day goes well and hope your week gets started off great. And that's going to do it. See ya.